On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about what led to the decision for Mike D'Antoni to decide to leave the Rockets. We're going to talk about coaching candidates. And I have a small trade I want to pitch to Kelly. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Triple-double rust, man. I need you to acknowledge he don't do this for the optics, man. He do this for the Rockets. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel. With me, as always, is our man on the ground, Kelly Eco covers the Houston Rockets for The Athletic, which, by the way, you can get a subscription for $1 a month, folks. One That's less than a coffee by going to theathletic.com slash Brody and the Beard. Well, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you haven't signed up already, but you're not going to get a better deal than this. Jump all over that right now. Kelly, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I'm just shocked it's a dollar a month at this point. They can get your hey. amazing reporting for a dollar a month, Kelly. Anybody who doesn't sign up for this, man, I don't know. Uh, at this point, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I, don't, I just don't know what to tell you. It's it's time, folks. It's time. If you've been waiting, I don't know if it gets. Listen, it's not going to be fifty cents a month. You know, at some point, you got best time of the year. This is the best time of the year to 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 latch on to us. So, so j- jump on in because there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff for the Houston Rockets coming up in right. the off season. So we got to start exploring it. And speaking of writing, you teamed up with our national writer Sam Amick to kind of go. I told you it was coming. Yeah, go through the whole thing with Mike D'Antoni and just kind of give us a quick rundown of what led to the decision to Coach D'Antoni deciding, basically before he boarded the flight from Orlando to Houston, to say, eh, I'm not coming back. So obviously, typically, typically after a playoff loss, you know, you talk with your general manager, you talk with ownership, you know, just kind of, Give you the reassurance heading into next season, right? But after game five, you know, Mike D'Antoni met with Daryl Morey. They discussed, they had dinner. Um, he went to his hotel room because they were going to leave the next day. He was expecting a phone call from Tumor Fertitta that never came. Uh, the next day, you know, he still was holding out hope that he would call. He didn't call. So before they got onto the plane that would take them to Houston, he made that decision to to step away from the team and, you know, he told, you know, Warren Legary to, you know, put the proper channels in place. And um, in the air, I think was the interesting part was how, you know, that the whole team didn't come back. You know, there were some players that stayed in Orlando, went to Miami, went to LA, but for the, the large majority that did, no one on that plane knew except Mike, you know, what the decision was going to be up until right before the plane was about to land. He, he told the team, told Daryl Moore, told the players, uh, they hugged everyone on, on, on the ground, shook everybody's hand, you know, had a good speech, just talking about the years that they had together, the runs, um, the success that they had seen, even though they had fallen short of the ultimate goal um, before going their separate ways. So overall, you know, when if you look at why Mike D'Antoni left, because, you know, the D'Antonis love Houston, like, to be clear. You know, their son lives in Austin. You know, 
Laurel does a lot of work in the community, you know, social activism, uh, just being a good person and a good, you know, citizen of Houston and around the community. Mike loves Houston, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, respecting. Uh, obviously, when you're trying to talk about a new deal or a new contract, there's, there's the money involved, but at the base of every negotiation is respect. And if one party feels like the other party is disrespectful or just not coming, seeing eye to eye, you know, they have the power to walk away and give credit to Mike D'Antonio for understanding that power and, you know, just kind of taking the, the decision to his own hands and step away from the whole thing altogether. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the thing that's sort of shocking. Like for me, the owner not calling at the end of the season to just kind of say, even if it's a, just a simple, like, thanks for everything you did this season, you know, Hey, we had a hell of a run or, or whatnot or, or anything like just to not have right. made any sort of contact. Even if you're like, we're not going to talk about the contract, but to not make any contact with your head coach at the end of the season is kind of alarming. And I think, you know, you guys go into great detail into all the stuff that happened last summer. You know, with the the war of words going back and forth with, you know, trying to come up with the contract negotiation and, you know, interesting things in there about, he, you know, at times Coach D'Antoni felt like they were using his age against him, which was, you know, besides the obvious fact that it's illegal to discriminate based on age, but, you know, just something he felt that was incredibly unfair and, and things like that, so... It was just a, a weird thing, and I can kind of understand it from his end, you know, from Coach D'Antoni's end of just saying, like, man, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to have to keep battling this and, and and keep dealing with this scenario. And there's nine coaching jobs open, I think, or I don't know if, if that counts some being filled or whatnot, but, you know, there's options out there, and, you know, it's not like he's a guy that's not going to be wanted. Yeah. Um, I think that's the main thing to take away from this whole ordeal is that Mike's going to be a pretty coveted head coach, you know, wherever he wants to go. Um, just because of the four years he's put in, the success that they've had, and his ability to enhance, you know, certain players' uh, outlooks. So I think the teams that have, you know, those openings, they will be calling Mike's phone to schedule interviews and stuff like that just because they understand where their team could potentially go having him on staff. So he's in good hands. I think um, obviously you never want to see a coach leave a team or get fired or whatever, but for someone like Mike D'Antoni, his market you know, is pretty robust. And, you know, it's just one of those things. He's going to coach next year, plain and simple. He's just not going to be at Houston. He's not going to be with the Rockets it's going to be very interesting because I just don't know if there's another coach that can come in and play this extreme small ball style and be as committed to it as D'Antoni was. So that's that's really kind of where the disconnect rolls for me. But let's kind of shift gears here a little bit, Kelly, because if you're not bringing if, – if Mike D'Antoni's not coming back, you're going to need somebody to sit in that head coaching spot and you're dropping an article – today i believe uh friday morning where you got two candidates so far i imagine you're we're gonna have a lot more yeah, yeah. But, but let's, let's kind of yeah let's kind of go through them let's start with uh 
Kenny Atkinson, who was the former Brooklyn Nets coach, was fired right before the the hiatus, really. Right. Uh, well regarded as a player development coach. What is your your take on Atkinson and his candidacy? Well, for every coach, I like to have a burning question. And I think my burning question for Kenny Atkinson was, how will he relate to you know Houston Stars? If you look at how his time in Brooklyn ended, you know it was it was reported by us that it had to do with his handling of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the, the fact that he kind of lost them a bit. I mean that had um, to do that had to do a lot more with them wanting him to start DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, yeah, which but, by the but, way is way yeah. wrong. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know you still have to have your stars respect right. you have. To, and you're supposed to have to be on board 100%, and they weren't. So um, he is a great player development coach. He is great with with um, younger players. But the Rockets have one of the oldest teams in the league. You know, they're not really – while they, while every team should be on the player development side, you know, to some degree, um, this season I don't think the Rockets kind of had much of that, um, apart from maybe Chris Clemens. They cut Isaiah Hartenstein, so that doesn't count. Um but I just want to see how he he would relate to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Obviously, offensively, you know, he's pretty close with, with what D'Antoni did. You know, top five and threes for the last four seasons. Um, pace could be a, a bit higher. But offensively, like spacing-wise, Kenny Atkinson is a, is a good fit for Houston. The only thing is, will he get the respect of those two players? I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not all that excited with the idea of Kenny Atkinson being the the next head coach for the Rockets. For everything you said, I think he is right now just a really solid player development coach. I think there are better opportunities for him. I think, you know, uh, the Chicago Bulls would be a team, I think, that would be interested in him. Uh, maybe even New Orleans and things like that. Like him working with young guys and, and, and helping them get you know, reach that platform, that, that peak of their skills and things like that. I think that's kind of Kenny Atkinson's things. And that's not what this Rockets team needs, to be honest. Like, I'm not sure if that's the, uh, the whole, uh, if it's just smart, right? Cause everything you said, like, look, you're not developing James Harden. He's already developed. You know, you're not. I mean, we would like to redevelop Russell Westbrook, but that's not going to happen this many years into his career. Like that's, just the way this whole thing is going to go. So I'm not a big, big fan of him with Houston. I am a big fan of Kenny Atkinson in general. I, and I think he's a good coach. I just don't know if this is the right spot for him. I, I think the biggest things with those interviews is fit. And, um, you know, Kenny Atkinson has been great for what they've asked him to do in Brooklyn. Well, he was good, you know, for a good for good spells. He did help develop Dinwiddie. You know, D'Angelo Russell, you know, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. But the Rockets are on a different timeline. Um, they're trying to win now. And I'm not sure if the leap from, you know, 28-54 to 40-42 and 42 and then, you know, to a, a, a championship contender, you know, it's, it's an appropriate step. But, you know, it's all about the interview. Yeah, and it's it's – Going to be interesting in that scenario, see how it goes. Let's look at the other candidate who you spoke about, or excuse me, not spoke, wrote about, uh, Chris Finch, who 
has history with the Rockets organization, yeah. currently an assistant coach with the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, what kind of stood out to him and what was your burning question uh, um, coming down to him? Yeah, so what stood out to me was his ability to – I talked to Will about this, Will Gilead, the Pelicans beat writer. His ability to kind of work with players and be like a uh, player confidant. In New Orleans, he worked with Anthony Davis, worked with DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Drew Holiday. My burning question to, for him was, will he ever be regarded as anything more than an associate head coach? You know, there are guys that we see around the league that are great in those roles, but who might not be able to take that step to actual head coach, you know? It's like the backup quarterback. So, sometimes that's like the best position for a reason. You know, there's low pressure. You can, you know, do what you do in your role without having the added, you know, pressure of actually being in those press conferences, being in those, those, those scrums, dealing with those players directly like day in, day out. So my question for Chris Finch was, Yes, he's a smart head coach. He is brilliant. But is he ready for that next step? I think that was my uh, biggest takeaway. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on The Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah, Everybody, hydrate your body right. Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Yeah, he's in, you know, he, he he's very thought of as a revolutionary offensive coach as well, kind of, you know, does a good job with a lot of that stuff and, and running the offense and things like that. Was the coach of the year with the, the, the well at the time the it was the d-league uh yeah. with the rio grand vipers and that was a long time ago that was in 2010 that was 10 years ago but you know i believe was an assistant coach for the rockets for a little bit as yeah. well so there's familiarity with him there's there's a comfort level with all these guys they all sort of know each other and i think it's a very sort of just fit where he can kind of come in and 
Daryl Morey has an understanding of him and, and, and knows him and things like that. And I think sometimes we overlook that when it comes to these coaching hires and how teams sort of look at it in that sense. Let me ask you this question, because I it, it is a good question. Can he, can he make the big leap from an assistant coach in the NBA to being a head coach in the NBA? I think he's, he's worth giving a shot to. But let me ask you this question, Kelly. Do you think the Rockets are going to go with an assistant coach? You know, and give it, you know, this is a team that, Veteran guys, they right. and things like that. Is this something you're going to give this job to a first-time NBA head coach, or is this something you're going to try to go to an established head coach? I mean, the reason why Chris Finch's name was thrown into that circle was because of the the Nick Nurse route. You know, people want to draw the comparison to, you know, smart guy did his time with the G League, did his time with Houston, and is able to get a uh, you know first-time gig. Personally, I don't. That's a good question. I could see it for the cost reason. You know, if ownership doesn't want to pay, they want to shell out, you know, $5 million for an established, esteemed head coach. And because the offer that, the offer that, you know, Mike didn't take, an assistant coach would, would take that in a heartbeat. So. Well, I mean, a guy like Chris Finch, who's looking for his first chance to be a head he coach in the NBA, a, yeah. he would he would jump at that, you know. Yeah, so I think that's where I, I kind of draw the line. It's, it really depends on ownership, because as much as as much as Tillman Fertitta said, uh, it's going to be a Daryl Morey you know decision. He's still the sign off guy, like you said. And if 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 Daryl, for example, if Daryl wanted Tyron Liu, and Tillman don't want to give him, you know, six, seven million a year, it's not gonna happen. But someone like Chris Finch, a Maury guy, who's smart, um, can just come in, kind of be a stopgap. I'm wondering if they want this next coach to be a stopgap or to be the guy guy, you know? Well, I, I mean, if you're I'm, if you're I'm looking to figure out if you're looking for your next head coach to be the stopgap, mm-hmm. you might as well start trading everybody now at this point. Cause like that's honestly, like, what's the point? because you're only going to have so many more years of James at a high level. You're only going to have so many more years of Russ at a high level. Like you can't waste a season, right? So that's why it's interesting to me. So if their approach is, Hey, this is going to be a a stopgap or a gap year or whatnot. Like you're wasting a valuable year for those guys. And at that point you might as well just start spinning everybody off. And, and, and go tank. Like, honestly, like, in my opinion, if that's their approach, which I think is way wrong uh, for them to do, if that's the case, and it, yeah, that's 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 oof, that's a bad idea. <clears throat> and and that's why and that's why I don't understand the whole mic. Like, if if you want someone to be their guy, you're going to have to pay for said guy. Right. You already had the guy. If you want to keep playing, you know, small ball, you and I talked about this at length, like if the Rockets were going to keep playing small ball, the best guy for that job was Mike D'Antoni. He's now gone. You're going to have to pay. Like, there's no cutting corners with this coaching hire. You're going to have to pay out what, you know, what a Tyron Lue wants, what a Sam Cassell wants, like what um, anyone who's a A-plus caliber or B-plus caliber head coach, you're going to have to pay. I mean, just look at it this way. If you want Ty Lue, understand he passed on the Lakers job with LeBron James because he didn't like the terms of the contract. 
Right. You, you know, like this isn't something like if you're going to get a high caliber guy, you have to pay high caliber money. And if that's right. if that's something they're not willing to do, then yes, they're going to go with an Which assistant is why coach. I don't think they're willing to do that. I just don't think they're willing because if there was a case, they were just giving Mike the money he wanted. Like or, it's, it's really simple as that. Right. Unless and, it's something deeper than that. Right. And I think we'll see how all this plays out in that sense. Again, these are just two candidates so far that uh, you've you kind of put out there. We'll see what else you who else you come up with. And 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 I'm excited to ask you constantly of your burning questions, Kelly, because they're burning you. And again, <laughs> if you haven't already subscribed, just saying a dollar a month to read all these things that Kelly's going to be giving you uh, the athletic dot com slash Brody and the beard. But Kelly, we're in the off season, and that's when I like to come up with crazy ideas, you know. And I I, I like to spin things around, and uh, I know you're going to try to take credit for what I'm about to say. But I uh, no, and how much right? Oh, Four okay, okay, okay. So playing around with the uh, ESPN trade machine the other day, and uh, you know, happened to plug in the Houston Rockets. Said, hey, I think we need a. I'm a believer they need to find a big man. I don't think they can go through a whole season without a big man. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to sign one in free agency. All right. I think the uh, – so I came up with a little trade here, Kelly. And I think some Rocky fans aren't going to like it, and probably most. But, you know, I think it's an important one because I think it's something that matters. But I think the Rockets should consider sending P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon – to Philadelphia for Al Horford. Now, before everybody freaks out, yes, Al Horford has a bad contract. He did not have a good year. He's looked like he lost a step or whatnot. But I think part of that had to do with the situation of where he was with this team. His role with the Sixers, I don't think, was really a good fit. I think what he bring, what he would bring to the Rockets is kind of a perfect fit. I think this is a guy that can help hold down the fort in the post, help kind of protect the paint. And he has the ability to pick and pop, you know, or at least just space the floor and stand around the three-point line. And you can still play five out with him and allow Russ to attack the paint and things like that. I think he kind of helps in that sense. I think he takes some pressure off of Robert Covington, who you brought in this year, I think is a guy you want to keep around. I mean, just tell me, Kelly, like how do you feel of a starting five of – James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Daniel House, Robert Covington, and Al Horford. Interesting. Uh, first of all, it's interesting from the fact that two years ago, we're talking about Eric Gordon and Tucker for potentially Jimmy Butler. And <laughs> and now it's for Al Horford. But if you do remember, Al Horford did, you know, the Rockets were interested in him 2016, right before they signed uh, Ryan Anderson to that god-awful contract. Um, but yeah, he was a candidate for them that they saw as somebody who could complete their their vision for what they want to do. Now, granted, the Philly effect, I, I wouldn't read too much into that just because that was a bad fit, like you said. It, was, it wasn't a good fit. And we've seen players come to Houston and amplify their, you know, their value. You know, look at Jeff Green, look at Ben McLemore, amongst others. Uh, that'd be pretty interesting. I think Horford has the capabilities of being a productive player in this system. Now, granted, I would have loved to see that with Mike D'Antoni. You know, right. I think he would have he would have done some a world of damage with that lineup. 
But, you know, it's still a pretty good one to see. Obviously, it hurts to lose Tuck, given that he's so important to, to what the Rockets do defensively. Um, and and, and but, part, part of my reasoning with this, because I know a lot of people are going to be upset about trading Tuck, I just don't think the Rockets are going to re-sign him. Right, and I don't not, think not at what the number you and, and it's been an underlying you know story all year. He's he hasn't been happy with with the uh, with the contract talks. And 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 so you can kind of turn that around on me too, going like, okay, so they're going to take Al Horford's blade a bloated salary that, of twenty seven. Everything about Houston it contradicts itself. Like I don't like honestly, if you want to if you want to go that route of players and contracts, it all comes down to money, right? Right. And it's like it really comes down to how how do you value something? You know, do you value do you place more value in a Horford high contract than a Tucker slash Gordon you no know, raised contract? That's what it comes down to for me. And and the other thing too about it is you know Gordon's contract's longer by a year, right. right? And it's not as high, but it's still longer by a year. So at least you're getting off of Horford a little bit quicker. In that sense, because I can't imagine they're all that excited with, you know, Gordon's play in the the, the playoffs with his shooting kind of just sort of won. He struggled all year. A lot of it had to do with injuries and things like that, and he might bounce back. But, you know, after giving him the extension and having the year he has, I'm sure that's left a, a sour taste in their mouth. I want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about that. So as someone who's worked with, you know, teams, what do you think the consensus is around the league about? some of these players' performances inside the bubble. Do you think they get a pass, or are they still looking at it as, eh, I don't think so? No, they're looking at it. I mean, you got it. It's guys playing on the court. Like, it's part of the data set. You know, yes, you you can acknowledge, like, hey, it was a weird year or things like that. But this was Eric all year for the most part, right? Like, it wasn't like he was red hot all year, then got to the bubble and then went cold. It was a situation where – he was up and down, battling injuries, never really felt right, never really got it going. And then all of a sudden he's now uh, it just struggles. Like it's just not it's not a, uh, a thing there. So I think teams will pay attention. And this is for everybody. All the all the guys in the the NBA who played in the bubble are all going to teams are still going to look at that as part of the data set. I don't know if they'll get sort of like a free pass or anything like that based on, oh, well, it was a bubble, so it was weird. You know, I think the the thing is teams are just going to look at it going like, no, this is what this guy's capable of. And I think we both agree, like, Gordon's is capable of more than what he showed this season. You know, and I think that's something that's going to be valuable there. And again, I just think this helps. You know, they got to include Tucker because they don't want to pay him. I think they they include Eric so that they get off that contract, which again is less than Horford, but longer in years. So they kind of get out of that a little bit earlier. I just kind of think it makes sense. And it makes sense for Philly because Tucker and Gordon are guys that can help spread the floor. Gordon could be another ball handler for them. Tucker can play with Embiid because then he's able to, you know, spot up in the corner and things like that. I think it makes sense for both teams. You know, I'm not sure if you can grab Philly's pick this year, cause they have a pick going and they have a pick coming from Oklahoma city. So I'm not sure off the top of my head, if they're able to, to trade that pick that they have coming from Oklahoma city, which is the 21st pick. But 
I think, you know, if they can find a way to get a first round pick somewhere in the future as well for Houston, I think it's just a smart trade. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good trade. I, I just want to see, like you said, about value. Um, do the Rockets put that much value in Horford four years after the fact that they the first tried to get him? But yeah, that's a big question. That's a big <laughs> question. That's I. I'm not trying to say like Horford's going to come in and be the savior or anything. I like mean, that. He, he would be productive in Houston. Don't don't get me wrong. Man. Like, I, I, at the very least, he can grab some rebounds. Again, you'll be better than what you saw in Philly. Yeah, that's that's for that's for that, damn sure. That's for sure. And 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 he'll he'll help you on the defensive end with rebounds and things like that. And you don't have to worry about. You know, he doesn't have to just be strictly a pick and roll guy, which would clog right. the lanes for, right. for, Russ, for Russ. But he can he can pick and pop, and Russ can cut or things like that. You can do different things. And again, whatever coach you bring in might not want to play this extreme small ball style. So you're going to need a guy, and the guys that are going to be available aren't going to be, you know, the the high end top notch guys. They're going to be guys that have flaws. I think whoever they do bring in, it needs to be like a Steve Kerr hybrid where you do have, you know, periods of small ball, but the bane of your offense is still ball movement, you know, sharing the ball, player movement, just a, a good offense than just throw it to James and just, you know, but that's for another day. I mean, yeah, it just gets tough in that scenario, you know, and I don't know. Again, like I just don't know. Like we've talked about a, it before. They need a I better plan A. Yeah, it, I mean, they need they need a they need to have a plan A and a plan B this time. Plan yeah. it simple. They need to actually have a plan B, and you know, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. But uh, that's just the first of what will probably be several crazy ass trades I come up with over <laughs> over the course of the operation. Get Mo get Mo in the front office. Oh uh, no! I, I think no. I think every any front office that's smart would probably be like, "No, nah, we don't need this idiot." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for Kelly Eco, for Super Producer Andrew Schleck, for me, Mo DeKeel, we out.